Hi, and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Tara Humphrey. I run an award-winning healthcare consultancy specialising in supporting primary care networks. I'm a facilitator. I am a mum of three. I have an MBA and I would class myself as a bit of an adventurer. And I absolutely love all things business, all things leadership, all things management. So I created this podcast for clinical and non-clinical colleagues working in the field of health and care and for those of you looking to develop your leadership skills. Every week we release an episode which focuses on the hard and soft skills required to lead in this increasingly complex environment as we move to delivering more integrated care. So let's jump into this week's episode. And welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. So in this episode, I had a fantastic conversation with Dr. Belinda Coker. Belinda is a GP, experienced medical director. She's got a wealth of experience in fertility, women's health and clinical quality spanning over 20 years. And the aim of this episode was for us to raise the profile and us to have a conversation about infertility and why she founded her organisation. It's a really important conversation and I'm really proud and privileged that she gave her time when she's so busy to talk with me. One of the things we talk about, and I emphasised in the title, infertility and the things people say, because we had a long conversation around the things people say that can be really, really hurtful. I'm sure there's no ill intent and I'm sure I say things, we all say things that may unintentionally hurt somebody's feelings but if one thing can come of this conversation is for us to just watch our words and to not ask people when you're gonna have that baby (laughs) so enjoy I would any feedback would be gratefully received and enjoy Hey, Belinda, thank you so much for joining me today on the Business of Healthcare podcast. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm really good, thanks. So thanks so much for having me on. My pleasure, my pleasure. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Could you share with our audience a little bit about yourself and what you do today? So I'm Dr. Belinda Coker. I'm the founder um, and CEO of Your Trusted Squad, which is a new company started this year, um, launched soft launched in February this year. So we are a boutique IVF and fertility concierge service, and we're dedicated to transforming the experience of of infertility, um, really for everybody who experiences and lives with it. So the way we do this is we empower and support um, couples who are trying to have a baby, but are finding the journey harder than expected. So we help our clients to make informed decisions by providing health information from trusted sources that are relevant to their specific needs, um, offer coaching support and um, signposting and making introductions to trusted services. So really it was my own 11 year personal experience of infertility and recurrent miscarriages that led me to start Your Trusted Squad. I've had a really successful 
and I say really successful, had a successful, um, actually really successful, um, and a really, a really rewarding career as, um, as, a, as a doctor, executive and medical director. And now I'm starting a company, which is, you know, brilliant and fantastic and loving and enjoying it and getting a lot, great deal sense of purpose from it. I've been a doctor for nearly 20 years. I initially started, started off training in uh, obstetrics, gynecology, and reproductive and sexual health before becoming a GP. And then along the way, I incorporated clinical leadership roles and built a portfolio, clinical, uh, clinical work, and then leadership work. And I worked for many commissioning organisations, CCGs in Southeast London um, and NHS England, also in the London region. And then I completed an executive MBA alongside all of that. And do. then once, sorry, yeah, exactly. As you do. <laughs> it was a great opportunity and it just came up, but kind of, it was quite, yeah, it was quite last minute, but actually it was really, it was a, a wonderful experience. Um, and after that, I became an executive medical director. Um, so yeah, that's really, I suppose, yeah, summary of, of where, where I've been where I am now. And when you, so you started up the business this year, how long had you had this idea in your mind before you finally took the leap? So the actual idea for what your trustist squad is, um, or the IBF and Fertility Concierge Service, was really in December of, December 2020. So yeah, so so actually not that long ago. But I think in my mind, I'd been articulating working towards it I couldn't quite articulate it so I had been doing research market research only for the last I'd say probably two years because I started off wanting to create an application for parents actually to um to help some GPs background you know see a lot of children who come in with fever and actually a lot of my friends really struggled with with that you know with that problem and you know were really worried about the, their children when they're unwell but actually, after doing a lot of research, a lot of speaking to different people, it just came up that actually people really wanted trusted sources of information and women of all kinds of ages were just really struggling to find those sources. Everybody knew about NHS website. They wanted kind of information that was more, I suppose, relevant to them and went a little bit further. And so I started to write a blog initially, really just covering digital health. And I've been a digital health, I've been a consultant working in, in digital health for the last six years or so. And so I started talking about apps and, and tools, online tools that you could use to help really manage your own care, your own health, monitor your own health, and be able to access NHS services online and that type of thing. And then so at that time, my infertility journey was, was you know, was really struggling with that. And also I have endometriosis. Um, and adenomyosis, which are conditions that chronic, very debilitating conditions, and all of those were kind of just affecting, I suppose, the, the, the direction I was, I was choosing. And so that's where, you know, I just thought, how can I make, not make, make sense, make this worthwhile, make this, you know, create, put it all to everything together that I, you know, that I've experienced, that I've learned, and that can help people um, through their journey so they haven't been through the journey for 11 years I did feel very isolated at many many points um, so that's where that came from it was just bizarre once I got 
bam <laughs> and then yeah. I was ready to kind of get a little team on board and get cracking so I can't lie it hasn't been easy along the way just even you know some of just getting the legals the insurance all of those type of things were were challenging it's quite a new type of service and many people didn't really understand it and so just yeah articulating it has been yeah learning in itself so so you've you've moved quite fast but going back to you said it in along your journey you felt quite isolated and when we first spoke we had a conversation around it was really surprising some of the things you had shared with me about like what your peers and colleagues had said to you could you share some of the comments that people have made to you throughout this past 11 years around your infertility journeys and some of the struggles that you've encountered? So many. So it may be helpful for you to remind me some of the ones, but I can start off. Yes, yes. there's so many. I mean, along the way, first of all, I think many people don't really understand what it's like um, and, and maybe they don't have the empathy for it because many people don't see it as a medical problem. And the WHO does actually define infertility as a, as a disease of the rep- reproductive tract. And, and for me, you know, I, I do have a number of medical problems that have contributed to it. But although, you know, I don't have an official diagnosis or cause. Um, but yes, so along the way, people will tell me that at least I'm lucky not to have some, um, at least you're lucky not to have children, you know, you don't have to get up, you don't, you know, you don't have any responsibilities. Um, trust me, you don't want children. <laughs> trust me, you're lucky not to have children. And many people just don't understand how how painful it can be and how it affects you in, in, in daily society. So obviously, we all have families. Uh, I say we all have families. We, we attend family events. We attend friends events. Um, so social events from christenings through to baby showers through to just kids parties and the topic always comes up when are you having children why isn't it about time you have children when are you guys going to get on and have some children so you kind of get a lot of that and then if you you know there are many times when I don't say anything because I don't want to kind of bring the conversation down but actually there are many times when I do say well you know we've been trying for a long time it's been difficult and some people will say, oh, well, you know, don't, don't worry, um, you know, you should try, try Reiki, try something, try something, try this, try that. Have you tried this? Have you tried this? Have you considered adopt- all the time? Have you considered adoption? Oh, yes, that comes up all the time. Have you considered adoption? Have you considered surrogacy? But it's mostly have you considered adoption? And it's interesting that people say that because I don't know how many of them have actually, well, actually, to be fair, I do know because because they're not adopting anybody but you know actually going through the adoption process isn't simple you can't just adopt any any child a child is 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 being protected there are different circumstances for why a child will require adoption and some of that will be related to uh problems with their with their with the mother family other family issues and maybe related to their own medical issues um but so there's a there's a very there's a long and quite let's say I'm going to say invasive that's not the right word but you know it's an in-depth process that that does require some real commitment to go through and and there are many lifestyle changes you do have to make and it's very different to I don't know it's very different to having a child because they don't have a child but you know to to go through a process of being vetted and then not be able to travel or not be able to have you know build and work in your home or to have somebody kind of review 
all of your bedrooms and review your whole house and review you know plugs and and etc it's it's it, you know and and even just going through just if, if there are other other issues it, it felt like for me personally it felt like it, i would be going back to school in a way it just it felt that it wasn't for me and my husband wasn't keen in the first place really so but but when i say just adopt i think it's just to think about what that actually means for a child for a couple and you can't just say that it's a simple process that works for everybody so and you know some people are very you know very dedicated and have been through the whole process and you know and it, and it, it really does work out so it's it's it, it is an option but i think most people who have gone through infertility know that adoption is an option and and may not have chosen that so it, it's just when people say those kind of things like like almost you're stupid and you can't really kind of look <laughs> look and consider so so yes those those are the type of comments you kind of get on a regular basis so sometimes it's just easier not to say anything um so you don't have to go through the conversation and actually often it's just easier not to go and <laughs> to, to go to the event um to not go through the that whole process which it just inevitably does and even things like uh just being i don't know whether it's the same for you but actually when i do go out with with friends etc they do end up kind of dividing into kind of the men and women and you know there's a lot when you're a part of the women's group there's all the conversations about children children schools children also the men when i try and sit with the men it's about sport and money <laughs> so it's about sport and money um, and so it's just a different conversation yeah it's interesting I would say when I go out with my friends it typically we all just talk there's kind of those that are like really into business and those that aren't so that's <laughs> that's kind of our split but I think I suppose one of the things I would say is that I was fostered and I've had friends that have gone through IVF I had an employee um, that went through multiple rounds of IVF and I think the conversation, the words that you use around just and have you considered, it's kind of, it's, I'm sure people say it with the best of intention, but I hopefully from this conversation, people just, just, just try to take a breath, just try to, you know, just try to really think about the words that you're going to choose and I think, yeah, it's, we all say it, there'll be, it, there'll be instances, regardless of the situation where we, we say something, and then, you know, it's when you go back home, you think, why on earth did I bloody say that? I didn't mean that, or I was trying to be helpful. So I think it's, we all just need to watch our, our words in all different types of circumstances. And I'd, I shared with you before we started the call, um, I had a colleague um, that was going for IVF and at the time there was lots of stuff around Black Lives Matters and we had a really good conversation and we were both like, what do we need from each other? And it was, I think somebody put a post, you know, like it's really hard being everybody's black friend at the moment and it, the questions that I kept getting asked, it got really frustrating and it also gave that person the opportunity to say to me, I know you don't mean it when you say X or stop asking me how it's going and all of these things. It was really nice to have a really nice and frank conversation. Not all relationships will be like that. Sometimes it'll be a passing comment, but that passing comment could leave somebody that could really ruin somebody's day. Exactly. And that, that's it. It's, it is about, um, well, first of all, thank you for sharing the experience of, about foster and mm-hmm. being fostered. I, I didn't know that. So um, thank you. And, and, and yes, it is mostly 
all of these conversations about empathy because with most with with any situation you're not necessarily asking for advice especially from somebody you don't know and you know if you're sharing something that's you know that is quite personal but sometimes it's a difficult not to share it or or if you don't share it it can kind of make the conversation a little bit awkward um so but i think that what it's, it is about empathy and it is about not necessarily providing that advice but actually just saying oh thank you for sharing that with me do you want to talk about it or is there or you know how has how has your journey been or how you know that must be difficult you know just to just to show that you you appreciate that it that it isn't easy and that's a, even the same with motherhood I mean you know with well, so should I say with being a parent it can be so very tough and and you don't want to pursue more or provide advice to somebody I think many new mums will just feel that kind of overwhelm of everybody telling them how they should look after their their own child and and so sometimes it's just helpful to say how are you doing that must be hard especially if you've lost children and instead of had had four miscarriages yeah it, you know there's a there's a lot around around grief in, as part of the journey so so yes to just say to to provide this there's kind of other comments about about trying to give advice is just not necessarily just it's just not what is needed or wanted so it is a pleasure to be bringing the business of healthcare podcast in partnership with dkms uk dkms are a blood cancer charity on a mission to find a blood stem cell match for everyone who needs it I am proud to share that I am an ambassador for DKMS UK and my particular interest in partnering with them is that as it stands, fewer than 3% of patients from a black or mixed ethnic background are on the stem cell blood registry. We need more people to sign up to the registry and more people to spread the message. So I hope you will join me in doing so. To sign up to the registry, please visit www.dkms.org.uk to get involved. So with your founder's hat on, when you're working with your client, what advice do you give to them when they come to you and they've been the recipient of, have you just tried Reiki or have you just tried this? What advice are you, I know it's different circumstances, but what kind of advice are you providing to them? Yeah. It depends on on each individual and where they are in the, in their particular journey, and some of them won't necessarily ask me about whether somebody's recommended that they've taken Reiki, but they might ask about it, whether they should take it, or whether they should use this, whether they should try acupuncture, whether they should try yoga, and what I say is 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 I talk about you know why they would want to why they would want to do it and what and how it how how they are really because much of this fertility journey isn't just about the physical trying to have a baby there's so many emotional aspects to it and it can cause a lot of stress and worry anxiety and and many people anxiety and depression so actually maybe that these particular complementary services can be beneficial to help manage stress to help manage to help with your emotional well-being um, and so I will say that, you know, that the evidence to support that, you know, it will improve your chances of IVF are, are, not, are not there. You know, there's no conclusive evidence of that, but it can be beneficial 
for you you to help you cope with the journey to help you feel more relaxed to help you look after yourself as part of the self-care um, and so if you feel that you would want to try it then you know try it um, but don't feel under pressure particularly with acupuncture or you feel that you have to have um, you have to have acupuncture before and after embryo transfer and there's a little pressure to feel that you have to have acupuncture to help you become pregnant and and that that evidence is just it, it just isn't conclusive to say to say that so yes you don't have to feel under pressure to do anything that you don't want to do and I did try acupuncture I over the years and I didn't I think I only with one acupuncturist that I really like it actually very you know fell asleep it was really relaxing and actually that wasn't a fertility acupuncturist it was um, somebody specialized more in musculoskeletal conditions but yeah I yeah for me personally obviously it didn't really make that much difference but um yeah that's 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 the type of thing that I got asked um, and in terms of if somebody does have these these type of comments that are made to them just generally that are that are difficult it can be a, a matter of just talking about what what they want to do because I don't want to tell anybody what to do it's do you feel comfortable in attending these type of events it's it's making somebody feel that they know that they don't have to go or if they do go that they can prepare themselves and you can have you know you can have a you know a, a pre-prepared response um particular times like at Christmas and some of these events where people you know these comments are going to come um so you might say that that you're you know that you you are um you're trying or you you're you're you know it's, it's a personal it's a personal uh, conversation or that um that you know you're you're considering all your options or you've gone through treatments or you just don't want to talk about it um so it, it just it all depends on how comfortable you they should I say they they feel about that particular situation and whether they know somebody whether it's a family member or whether it's you know a complete stranger it's not a funny question but I think there should just be a ban on saying to somebody I think even like I've been pregnant and people have gone when are you gonna have another one it's like like you know like no like I think it makes people feel comfortable isn't it to talk it feels like there may be something in common or I don't know why it's it's become accepted to make those kind of comments, yeah, which are personal, but are also meant to be connected. You know, they are supposed to connect in a way, and it's it. You know, it's interesting what I see. Is that, you know, many of my friends that have children and women will come up and talk talk to them and just really bond um, and want to hold the baby, and you know, it really surprises me. Um, but I think that's all natural I don't know somehow that that's very much accepted and I think you know the, many of those other comments even though they hurt I don't think people like I said do they have the yeah, best intentions yeah. ever they don't want to hurt just haven't really thought about it or considered its impact on on somebody else or what they could be going through so our podcast is called the business of healthcare and the goal of it is to have informal conversations around people that work in the NHS and support the NHS. So you've come from within the NHS. You mentioned that in some instances, you know, you working in the field of health, that people if within the field of health didn't see 
didn't understand some of the, the challenges and were not empathetic. And that, yes, there are NHS resources, but you have found a gap. So could you explain what is the need that you are, you know, what's the gap that you are, are filling? Mm. So what I am filling is, is that need for additional support and the ability to have the conversations to help you make some really tricky decisions. Undergoing fertility treatment is challenging. It's challenging emotionally, it's challenging financially, it's challenging physically. So if you are fortunate enough, I say fortunate, fortunate enough to be able to have um, NHS um, treat or treatment on um, NHS funded treatment, that's one thing that many couples have to seek private treatment uh, to, or, settle, or self-funded treatment. So when you're having your, your, your appointments with your medical specialists, you have limited time, just like you do across all, you know, all um, areas. You have limited time to be able to have those, those discussions. And also, and then there's something around if somebody hasn't quite experienced it, or if they may be seeing numerous people that are having having these problems, they may not necessarily take the time to to understand your own individual circumstances and 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 um, situation, and therefore to have that kind of in depth discussion is just there just isn't the time or maybe even the resources to do that, and so that's where this comes in, and and it's interesting because so many. So many, in particular, women, but they're also men. You know, men are going through this this as part of the part of the journey, and and so many people have felt this this loss or this this lack of of, of support. And it, and it is different to you can still see a counsellor, but a counsellor will help you with the kind of emotional, mental aspects of of the treatment. Um, not necessarily help you be able to make those decisions that you sometimes have to make in a few hours or a few days you're trying to find all this information online um, takes hours on top of that you're traveling you know for appointments you may or may not have told your employer um, so there's a lot of pressure at work you have the side effects of the medication um, so really it's it's just um, I think because I've been through the experience and then having spoken to so many people that have gone through the same experience and it's interesting to, when I was going through the main bulk of the, I say the, the worst, the most kind of really, I say in the thick of it, there weren't these type of services around. There wasn't the kind of support communities that are on Instagram. There aren't a number of podcasts that are available now. There are more resources and there are more, but the conversation is becoming more normalized. Should I say more normalized? It's, there's still a lot of taboo around the topic. But, but people are talking about it more and people are talking about what they need or what they needed or what, what their experience was. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's how I came to, to spotting the, the gap or the need. And you mentioned at the beginning, it's been challenging. You've gone from being an employee and having, I mean, depending where you are, a massive resource, a massive amount of resource and support around you to doing everything starting everything yourself like what are some of the challenges you have experienced in creating this business it's so personal as well mm. 
as I said, initially articulating, really describing the service to say insurance providers um, and putting together the terms and conditions, make sure they're kind of, you know, you know, robust. That that that, that was a challenge. My background is as a you know as a doctor, and my background is as somebody who leads in in ensuring that services are good quality and 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 safe. Not so much in you know, uh, yeah, not so much in kind of dealing with. Well, I say that's not true because I did deal with you know indemnity and and lots of them um, clinical um, clinical you know complaints and and incidents inquiries. But yeah, really. Kind of starting a new business that isn't doesn't really exist and trying to just I, I'm not a medical service but you know I'm I so many people would want to put me into medical service but actually trying to provide coaching support coaching and didn't really think of that as the, the, the term that I'm really using um, and it's not just purely con, con coaching because it's also the concierge but it's it's just a different type of support it's not about diagnosing a condition. It's not about doing the tests or, you know, providing the treatment, but it's about helping you get the information that's relevant for you. It's about helping you make those decisions that, that, that are tricky. Um, so, yeah, so it's really just learning about, about articulating, <laughs> articulating the business. Um, and then the other one was marketing. I mean, goodness, you know, you just think we just want to get on and do the job. <laughs> but then marketing was just huge. I mean, marketing consumes a lot of a lot of time in terms of learning, learning the different platforms for social media and just marketing, marketing, PR and sales. I'm smiling a log. So that's my, my, my next question was going to be, how do people find you? But smart, one of my coaches said to me, an old coach said to me, we've all you know like the, our first business is marketing the second is our you know like a second is our service it is and I see that with many other practitioners and you just think that you're going to be able to get on and help people but actually you're spending a lot of time trying to raise awareness of what you're doing to be found and that takes a lot of time and and to learn how to do it and to learn how to again it's about articulating the message in a way that people will not only understand but that will help them know that this is something that will help them or that they that they need or want um so it's it's I mean, I've learned about all kinds of new words and yeah. you know SEO yeah. and all of this and, and and you know my service is about trust you know it's a trust as God says it's about trust and integrity and you know learning about all these types of different ways of trying to to get noticed and seen and just you know there, there have been those kind of challenges in my mind of, of I can't do this 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 doesn't fit with the values of my company so it's it it has been yeah that I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges is, is has been just learning about about the marketing and and about introducing it and implementing it on a you know relatively limited budget um, and how huge your budget could potentially be on a weekly or monthly basis so in NHS we don't have to worry about you know exactly I was a, you know board of directors we didn't talk about our you know kind of well we didn't even post on social media at the time but you know it's it's didn't have to our patients just came to us 
and in fact we had excess demand you know it was like there was so <laughs> yeah, many if anything people. the marketing would be like don't come to us yeah. just yet wait exactly yeah. exactly and even when I started my blog which was just just to inform people but then I wrote the blog and I was just like okay now what how are people going to find this blog? got to market the hell out of <laughs> <And> that blog <laughs> <laughs> oh do you know what I'm so glad you have shared that because I think for those for those us of for those that work outside of the NHS, I think marketing, you, the comment about the marketing budget, you know, we used to have a full-time marketing manager, you know, like it is, and then all of the subscriptions, you know, at one point it was a bit like, am I a marketing company? <laughs> it was like podcast twice a week, newsletter, all of this stuff, it is a lot, but um, it's paid off for you because you're your website is nice and clean and I think that it's not fussy you've got your you've been in other kind of you've been on other platforms and other podcasts and things like that so but I would say anybody listening and this is why I love I love my job and I love doing this podcast um the things that look simple and easy and they think oh Belinda just put that up overnight you know like the stuff that looks easy so much thought goes into it and you talked about like you're not going to compromise your values so much thought goes into everything when you when people come across your website you want them to think either this is not for me or oh, I found my place I found Belinda she is what I've been looking for and the you know a copywriter or even if you do it yourself like you can do things yourself but it is some it is worth getting a bit of help you know like yeah because you may not get it right and and actually I didn't even realize that copywriting was a thing or even a skill and then yeah Yeah. exactly I'll just type it out oh no but there's a way to (laughs) uh, yeah you know there's a sales technique and there's a you know way to articulate in in your own voice etc and I was just learning about yeah about copywriting about the graphic design about you know just increasing increasing your reach about adverts you know and promotions there is just so much and like you said you know what you want to do is just engage with that's the bit that I enjoy the most is the the chatting with people and that's what I've been doing for 20 years as a doctor so that's the bit I like the most what I don't like is putting you know writing the posts you know or, or you know um yeah, or just thinking about hashtags or, or about how SEO and how I'm going to, you know, try and get on Google's first page, just haven't done yet. So, um, you know, those type of things that I really just don't want to think about, um, but, but are actually just so important. And everything just, it, it, it all adds up. It, it's all cumulative um, and it just takes time. And that's another thing about the business is, as you think, okay, well, you read all these stories of an overnight success and really it, it does take time and, and you gain traction. And yeah, so that's, it, it's good to see as well. It, that's what's nice about it is sometimes you think right at the beginning, it was like, well, is this working? Is this worth it? Is Yeah, it takes, it does take time, but it's, it's rewarding to see the changes and the improvement and I do believe in a year's time, it will be so completely different to two years time. And I know, yeah, that it, 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 that's how businesses grow. And you can see ones that are kind of more established and ones that are raising funds and how, the, how when marketing is brilliant, how much impact it does make. 
um, and actually it can make it can give an impression that isn't necessarily real. I mean, it isn't necessarily what the company is is offering, um, but actually it's just so beautiful. It just adds that credibility and authority to um, a business. Oh, is it credible if it's not real? Well, when I say credible, I mean it gives the impression of credibility, should I say. So <laughs> actually, you know, as a customer, you will believe that this company is is offering what they're offering or that everybody's using them or, you know, I think it's um, every company has their own, you know, their own values and their own way of of, of working. Um, and so I guess that's, that's the decision as to how they... Yeah, I think when you peek behind the curtains, if all is not what it seems, I would like to think sooner or later, you know, that smoke and mirrors are dissolved if that makes sense if you if you're portraying one thing to the world but that's not the case if you want if you're like a small business you know like if you you present your work you present to the world in one way and then I meet you Belinda and you're off and you know it's you you're not going to be in business for a very long time because when you're a small business it's so based you can have beautiful marketing but it's so based on the experiences and I'll say, well, I've met Belinda, I've worked with her. She's fantastic. You know, like I know some people that have got a, an established business that don't have, you know, they don't do any social, you know, their website's crap, but because they are very good at their job and they're, really, they're nice people and they get the job done. So it's really interesting, but obviously I'm a believer in marketing. I absolutely love it. And sometimes I have to think, Tara, you actually do have a job to do that's not, <laughs> just not tinkering around on social media. Yeah. And also word of mouth. But it's probably what has brought you know the, those helps them you know build that business and get the, the, that you know reputation because of, uh, especially at the beginning um yeah word of mouth is what you know it is 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 what's so important people's personal recommendations um and that may be from colleagues from friends or from people who've actually been through the service um so so yes that that's that's the most kind of powerful um form of of, of, of marketing um is, is your word of mouth but the thing is with healthcare is 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 there there is potentially so much i say potentially so much regulation that many innovators may may not necessarily know about what's what they need to do or or may not do it <laughs> may not you know may choose not to to, to, to pursue that route because it, it it's a you know can be a quite a lengthy and expensive route so but many consumers will not know about regulation they won't necessarily know about what's safe and what's you know what, what's what's a kind of a good quality um and i think you know the big one is, is those kind of period tracking apps that, that people have been using for years that are based on an algorithm um but don't necessarily aren't necessarily personalized to your your own individual cycle because they just can't be um but people have been putting in all this information and just kind of basing their decisions on on this on a wonderful app you know an app that looks great but doesn't necessarily deliver on what it's what they believe it's promising my heart my face has just changed i'm like Uh, oh, there's so much in this uh, I mean I could just yeah that's a whole nother episode but I know people if they weren't really listening <laughs> some people would have just put down their phone and gone what did she just say 
Exactly. I mean, and, and you know, many of the, well, I'd say nearly all are not regulated or are not kind of in, in that, you know, type of space where they are performing the research and showing that their that their app is is effective at what they're saying it's doing. Um, but I think that's again that's changing as people understand more and people are, uh, are providing that challenge. But that's just one area. There are just so many in, in the digital health um, space of, of where claims may be made but not necessarily substantiated. And, and consumers are not necessarily aware so mm-hmm. lots to do yeah thank you so much for joining me um if people want to find out more about your trusted squad where can we find you it's your chance to plug yourself <laughs> <laughs> thank you well um so website is um, your trusted squad.com and also a uh, um, on Instagram, so that's our main platform, Instagram, um, at Your Trusted Squad, but also on LinkedIn. Again, Your Trusted Squad on LinkedIn. So, and you'll be able to contact me directly through LinkedIn as well. Um, I'm Belinda Coker, Dr. Belinda Coker on LinkedIn. So, cool. Thank you. Thank you so much. so much for joining us if you like what you hear i would absolutely love it if you left us an itunes rating and five star review i know many of you give us a shout out on social media which is lovely to see you guys listening to the podcast so please come and find us on twitter at thc primary care on instagram at thc primary care and on linkedin just look for tara humphrey and if you're not subscribed to our newsletter please do it's really really funny you get to hear more insights more confessions some tips and tools and a roundup of our activity over the week so click on join the newsletter in the show notes and I will see you in the next episode.